All right, we're recording. Welcome back to the Black Menace Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Weaver, and I'm here with my other host. Nate Bird, happy to be on the show as always. Yes. And we have our uh, guest here with us today, our wonderful friend, Terry. Go ahead and say hey real quick to the people. Hey, y'all. Yes. Um, we're really excited for this episode, and we wanted to just apologize for the uh, lack of episodes the past two weeks. Had, you know, a little family emergency. Um, if you follow my personals, you'll know what's going on. But we're, we're back in business, and we're happy to be to be back with you guys this week. And so I'll hand it over to Nate to do the Menace Moment. But so um, the woman that I want to highlight today, who is a menace in her own right, is Nicole Lynn. Right, make sure I look at this camera. Yeah, so it's uh, Nicole Lynn. She is a black woman who is a an agent in the NFL, and she recently brokered the largest deal in NFL history mm-hmm. with quarterback Jalen Hurts. Um, so I believe she um, at the beginning of it was like the middle of April. Um, he made history by becoming the league's highest paid player with a record five-year, $255 million contract, um, 179 of which is guaranteed. And there's also a no-clause trade that will keep him with the Eagles through 2028. So pretty amazing. Um, and so the way that they actually connected was when he was in college, he played for Alabama, and they benched him um, during the 2018 National Championship. And then after that, he ended up transferring to Oklahoma and doing well there. Um, but towards the end of his college career, Nicole reached out to him and was just like, hey, I don't know if you've picked an agent yet, but if not, hit me up. I love to connect, basically. And so she connected with him and she became his agent. And now here she is. She's 34 years old and she's uh, negotiated the largest deal in NFL history. Wow. Um, yeah, pretty amazing. Her husband actually just joined uh, Deion Sanders coaching staff at University of Colorado. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, yeah, so they're both out here doing big things. Dang. Um, yeah, let me see here. That's awesome. So, yeah, he, yeah, she's been his agent, and, you know, she went to the Super Bowl, so that was a big deal. Like, you know, representing a player who goes to the Super Bowl gives you quite a significant amount of clout. She attended University of Oklahoma, and she is your soror, Rachel. She's my soror. Yeah. Yes, um, she is. Delta women do things. <laughs> they, they really do. They really do. Now, let's see. 2021, she wrote a book called Agent You, Show Up, Do the Work, and Succeed on Your Own Terms, which mm. sounds like a good read, but that's a long title. Um, and then, let me see, 50 Cent is also working on uh, producing a television show about her story as a Black woman agent, and she will be an executive producer on that show. Period. Because I want to know. Like, I don't know what agents do. I don't know what, like, I know that's a job, but in my head, I'm like, mm-hmm. I have no idea what, I'm like, is that like a manager equivalent of like a, like actress or singer? Yeah, I think it's pretty similar. Okay. It's just like someone who kind of like speaks on your behalf to make sure that you don't get screwed over, basically. Because mm. one thing about the NFL, the NBA, all those places, they're going to try and like, Oh, yes. They want to get their money's worth out of you. So to make sure that like the players are getting treated fairly and you know getting what they deserve, they have agents uh, who represent them. And so, yeah, Nicole is out here representing Jalen Hurts, a Super Bowl caliber quarterback. And then she also uh, represents a few other players, um, including linebacker. Uh, let's see, I'm trying to pronounce these names. Chukwemeke Egbule, uh, Super Bowl winner, Ogbo Okoronkwo. Pro defensive end Miles Garrett, 
And wow. former first-round pick, Quinnen Williams. And she also represents uh, Will Anderson Jr. and Bijan Robinson, who are expected to be first-round picks in the upcoming draft. Or I guess that draft. Dang! Yeah. I wonder yeah, how much she deal, makes, like... Ten percent, five percent. I think so. Wonder. Yeah, whatever it is. I mean, she got her. I mean, a, a, a quick seventeen mil off of Jalen Hurts. Yes, yeah, so I was gonna 10%. say, even if it's just ten percent, she is set for life. Right. Okay. That's I can't right. even fathom so, that amount of money. Big deal. Yeah. See, uh, let me see. She's was originally she went to school uh, to be a financial advisor, and so she worked on Wall Street for a little bit, and then I guess she pivoted and became a, a sports agent. I mean, she also represents. She's represented in the past Erica Law of the American Ballet Theater, and professional softball player Jennifer Gilbert. Wow. So yeah, yeah, she's out here doing her thing. That is Nicole Lynn. Love that. Yeah. Sweet. Well, yeah, that is I'm her. Excited for her um, movie documentary, whatever it is. I will be tuning in. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. If it's anything, I mean, I didn't. Fifty said he did Power too, right? He he Let did Power, the TV show? Yeah, isn't that him? Oh, I have no clue. I've never seen Power, heard of it, but I've never seen it myself. Okay, Terry, you look like you were not in. Do you know? Is that 50 Cent? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, that yeah is. so he did that, and that was good. I, I never finished it, but I've heard good things about it. So anyway, I'm excited. <laughs> but that's enough about that. Terry, we want to introduce you. You want to just talk about yourself for a little bit? Terry, the revolutionary yeah. you got here on the screen, just talk about the work that you've done <laughs> and tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so uh, of course, my name is Terry. Hughes is my last name, not the revolutionary. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm originally from Long Beach, California. I moved here when I was about 13. That's actually when I got my like niche for activism. Um, I came here and realized that I was, how I described it back then was the only chocolate chip in the vanilla ice cream because I have used the exact same analogy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I'm the only Black person in a lot of my classes. I was the only Black person in a lot of spaces. Um, So that's where I got my little, you know, my knack for um, activism. But as of right now, I go to Weber State University. um, And right now I'm a political science major. I'm soon changing to um, communications with an emphasis in social media and marketing. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I work for a local nonprofit as a product manager. Um, and then I'm soon to work for L3 Harris as a product development manager. Well, I intern as a product development manager. Yeah. You're out here doing big things. Mm-hmm. Trying. trying. Utah, Utah has a way of, of bringing out the activism in people. I, when I came here, it definitely it definitely did that for me too, because you, you start to, to feel a certain type of way. And um, so like, just tell us a little bit about like when you were younger, like how was it moving from Long Beach, which is very diverse? How was it moving from there and coming to Utah? It was more than a culture shock. I feel like a culture shock isn't even the word. Um, it was more like, I don't know what word to describe it. Like I was just, you know, so literally like yeah. uh, <laughs> when I was younger, I, I used to tell my mom this because I would only see like white people in like history books or like if we went to like downtown Long Beach, but we didn't see many of them. So I thought white people were a myth. I'm not going to lie. I didn't know they existed. I was like, oh, so this is where they all reside because in <laughs> California, <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm sorry, 13. that's just too funny. I'm sorry, that's too funny. It's a fact. Not just where they reside. 
like I was 13. I never seen like, you know, white people that often. So I'm like, man, they talk about them a lot in school, but I don't really see a lot of white people, you know? And the, the white people that I lived around, they didn't seem white to me. Cause you know, they was just, just folks, you know, we all folks. we was a community. So it's like, we all helped each other. We all did for each other. So when I moved here, I was like, what in the world is this? But um, yeah, like I said, it was that electricity of, yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot moving from California to Utah. And I think like my first ever like encounter that like made me know that I was othered in this state was um, there were three other girls about my size, about my height, and they all deemed us as like the school bullies, mind you. I had just gotten to this school. I had never met anyone, never talked to anyone, never nothing. And I was immediately deemed as a bully. I was immediately deemed as like the loud ghetto girl. Mind you, never talked to anyone. So like I immediately knew that I was othered. And from that point on, I started reading up my first book that I'd ever read about Black history. It was called um, Hang a Thousand Trees with Ribbons, the Phyllis Wheatley story. And from then on, I just continue to educate myself and try to educate others around me. Um, and I'm gonna keep it real, it wasn't white people I was trying to educate. I was trying to educate mm. my peers. Um, mm. I was telling them about this book. I was telling them like, you know, this is why we're treated this way. Um, this is how you react to different things. And so that's where I kind of got my, my neck for, you know, activism and how I knew that I wanted to be an activist, you know, just from that transition from California to Utah. Yeah. So when you say your peers, do you mean like the black people you met in Utah who were your yes. age who maybe weren't, I mean, weren't familiar with certain things? That's what I'll say. Amen. Amen. Yes. Yes. Precisely. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, Terry, for those who don't know maybe what we're referring to, which we've talked a little bit about on the podcast, mm-hmm. but from your experience, what exactly are we referring to as we're laughing right now? Because... Uh... <laughs> I don't know if my term will be appropriate. So I say people who just found out that they were black. And I say that in a way of like the social construct of blackness in which they live in and embody. So Mm -hmm. not them as black people, but they just woke up and realized I live in this social construct. These are Mm -hmm. the bounds in which, you know, my reality is. And so that's why I call them black folk who just woke up and found that they were black because they didn't realize the social construct that they lived in. And they were trying to partake in the social construct of whiteness, but it wasn't working because they are not white. So they can't benefit from that social construct. So mm-hmm. that's how I, you know, I describe them as like people who just kind of found out that they were black one day. And we're like, wow, I actually can't do what Connor does because me yes. and Connor are not the same. <laughs> me and Connor. <laughs> We don't rock like that. We yeah. can rock at the skate park, but not in corporate. So, yeah. which, yeah. by the way, for people who don't know, in Utah, there's just a very, um, the population of Black people is very diverse. Um, there's a lot of transracial adoptees yeah. as well, and um, or or Black people who are, you know, again, are raising so much whiteness that they're trying to escape um, some things as well. And so that's a, I feel like a more common experience. Would you say, Terry, than maybe? What I experienced growing up in Chicago, what you experienced um, in your time in California, and probably even Nate as well in parts of Michigan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say that like a lot of places that you go, you don't encounter the same um, variety of Black people that you might encounter in Utah, mm-hmm. depending on where you are. Um, in, in Utah, there's a lot of of uh, Black people from the diaspora. Right? There's people here who come from Haiti, who come from countries in Africa, who come from 
uh, transracial adoptive families. And so they just have like different cultural perspectives um, than if you were to, you know, like you said, Richard, be in like, you know, Chicago or, um, you know, like some parts of Michigan where I was, um, you know, and, and it's very possible to be like to be a black person, understand that you are a black person, but not understand what that means or how that might affect your life. Um, mm-hmm. You may think that you can like go through life and that that won't affect you, but yeah. then you quote unquote find out that you're black because something happens to you that makes you realize, mm-hmm. oh, me being a black person affects the way that I live my life. It affects uh, the way that I interact with other people and the way that they interact with me. And so you get a lot of that in Utah because there's not as much exposure to, um, to just like outright racism, outright discrimination. So mm-hmm. you very um, roundabout way, and it's, it's it can often be very shocking, like when it does happen. So yeah, I can imagine that was quite a burden to take on as a 13 year old, 14, 15 year old um, in Utah. Like, yeah. Where exactly? Like what city were you in? Were you in Salt Lake, Salt Lake, or were you like a different place? Uh- so I grew up, sorry, if y'all see me like swiping my screen, it's because my font is huge. So <laughs> it like blocks the screen. But um, so I grew up in Clearfield, Utah. Okay. Uh, that's where I did high school. So I came out here around high school in California. High school starts in ninth grade. Um, mm-hmm. I came out here literally like right before I graduated eighth grade here. I mean, in California. Oh, okay. mm-hmm. So I came out here like end of school year, eighth grade, going uh-huh. into ninth. So I did like my high school years here. So yeah, right. and I did that in Clearfield. Okay. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, that's, Clearfield is, it's out there. Davis County, Davis School District. Davis County, known for a lot of things and most of them are not good. Respectfully. I'm just gonna be honest. Disrespectfully. Especially when it comes to black people. Most of it is actually terrible. I'm like, oh, wow, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. bad that was the Department of Justice is currently in the middle of an investigation because of things that have been going on, mm-hmm. corruption among administrators and all kind of racist incidents oh, yeah. and things like that. But oh, yeah. like, so you talked about how you got othered, how they turned you into them sisters from the Proud family. But come on now, literally broke. <laughs> stop! Stop! I said not like trying to say we ashy. Right. Oh. <laughs> I, listen, okay. It, I'm it, trying to call us ashy. It blew my mind when I found out they were that color because they were supposed to be ashy. I was like, no, nah, like, why did they make them? Purple is Disrespectful. Purple was wild. But anyway, so so Davis County, they turned you into the Girl Sisters. What kind of like what other things did you experience, um, like like oh man within that school district or you know I don't know if you went to church when you were there, but like what kind mm-hmm. of things did you experience just kind of growing up? Right. So I went to church in Ogden, which is crazy. So like, I always had like kind of a connect to Ogden, but um, just growing up in Clearfield that, you know, people would like yell things out at us outside of their cars. Cause like my mom didn't drive. So we walked everywhere and mm. people would like yell, call us names out of their cars. Like, you know, would yell the N word at us, like crazy things, you know? Um, yeah. And in school, like people found out I was from California and immediately i became like a gang member i don't know how um but supposedly i met tupac there was like a rumor that i met tupac i was like the math isn't mathing but okay um <laughs> like what? it was just i'm sorry yeah, exactly um it was a lot of tomfoolery when i was going to <laughs> yeah it was it was a that's lot. just quite okay the math didn't math i was definitely 13 so you know amen 
but yeah it was just a lot of like stereotyping like people would ask me have I ever been shot like they would ask me just yeah. the most horrendous things at 13 you know and so I kind of just became desensitized to it and like my only way to kind of like combat it was through like fighting and you know because from California we didn't do a lot of talking we didn't do a lot of conversations we did a lot of you know if you're going to talk about it be about it so I got to the point where I got kind of sick of explaining myself and I just started hemming people up against the lockers like I became the girl sister I really did I mean I was like y'all want me to be a bully it's gonna it's gonna be up every time so I became that problem child you know I was a part of that push out and you know if it weren't for one of the counselors who really took a liking to me I would have been like kicked out of that district but he was always fighting for me his name was Mr. Paul he worked at North Davis Junior High. He was always fighting for me, always, you know, telling me to give me another chance because I was always fighting every day, never missed a day. <laughs> I felt like I was a WWE because I was always fighting. <laughs> perfect uh, attendance. Every day, perfect attendance. <laughs> On the roll call, I was always in ISS. Um, that was my home. The lady knew me by name. She's like, come in, Terry. Girl, I know it's your time. I was like, oh, God, Lord. So yeah, it was it was a lot. Like I had to deal with a lot of just microaggressive behavior that soon turned my like trying to coexist with people into like hatred and anger. And so I really just kind of my outlet was to fight people and you know not have conversations. Mm-hmm. So would you say that? So I I, I can definitely understand the um, oh I can definitely understand the like the anger part, right? Because yeah. you know right. Um, I don't know. Did you grow up in the LDS church or did you grow up um, just as a Christian or, or what? So I grew up, uh, I grew up um, Kojic. I don't know if you know what that is. Oh, yeah. Church of God in Christ. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of like, uh, what is that word I want to use? Pentecostal. It's Pentecostal. Oh, yes. So I, oh, yes, up, I know that. Mm-hmm. So I grew up Pentecostal. So yeah, we did not grow up in the LDS church. We, we sometimes we worked with them with our food pantries and stuff like that, but I mainly was Kojic. Okay, makes sense. Good to know. Good to know. So I, I was just wondering because um, having grown up in the Mormon Church, um, mm-hmm. I you know being around a, a healthy amount of white people, I, I too <laughs> developed some of that anger. Right? Healthy is an um, interesting word, but okay. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, more than healthy. It was um, when you start taking <laughs> too much vitamins. Um, but Get sick. I, you, exactly. Mm. So, so, but with that, like, it took me. So, I, I felt that anger. It took me a long time to be able to identify what it was, and then mm-hmm. after I identify what it was, it took me a much longer time to let it go or to like mm-hmm. channel it into something useful. So, what mm-hmm. was your process of like uh, learning how to take that anger and channel it into something yeah. positive, like your activism? Um, right. What got you to that point? Well, it's funny you um, asked that in regards of church, too. So I left the Kojic church. I'm now non-denominational. And one thing that, you know, the Holy Spirit put in my heart was to treat people with love Mm -hmm. Um, and not to be nice to them or let them push me over. But like, what are the like core pieces of love? It's patient. It's kind. It doesn't hold record of wrongdoing. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, I read my word, so not all the time, but I read my word. And it also says, you know, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but, you know, with high principalities and dark places. So I take that with me. And also Miss Betty Sawyer is like a huge influence to me. She always tells me, like, pray before every meeting because she's also Christian. And, you know, she's always with me. And she's like, pray before every meeting. Make sure you're not going in there with the heart of hatred. Make sure you're going in there with the heart of compassion and love. Um, 
And, you know, I like to say this one thing, because uh, I know there's this Bible scripture that white people love to use. Um, and it's turn the other cheek. And mm-hmm. I always say, well, if you slap me, oh, I can't sure. promise you I'm going to turn my cheek. I'm going to probably turn yours, but I can't promise you I'm going to turn <laughs> mine. So <laughs> that's also how I walk into those rooms. Is like, you know, God didn't call us to be punks and, you know, get smacked and thrown around, right? He did call us to love, but we are not to just be getting thrown around like a rag doll. So I think that's what kind of helped me let go of that anger and that hatred. Cause I really did used to have like a deep hatred for the Caucasian community. Um, mm-hmm. And I did not know how to let it go. I just, I wanted to be angry and I wanted to be mad. And I allowed that to fuel my activism. And I found that I hit my head a lot. And when I got to high school is when I was like, okay, we got to reel it back, find another way to do this because cussing out every day is not, conducive mm-hmm. so we have to find another way and in college it just you know it grew even more so i'm still a radical you you know, i still have amen won't he will so i still have yes. my i have my ways you know i'm still a, a huge radical um however i i've learned to reel it back sometimes and sometimes it's better to listen because two fools arguing you ain't gonna know who the fool is so sometimes mm-hmm. you have to listen and let them mm-hmm. kind of be fools so they can be like you know so you can be like yeah you just said that i ain't say nothing you said all these things that didn't make any sense so yeah that's how i learned to let those things go love that love question that. oh go ahead nate sorry no that's it i was gonna say i'm learning a lot yes i know um so I wanted to ask you kind of about your experiences since you, um, as you've gotten older, right? And you had your high school years here. You're very, you understood the landfill of where you were at and the landscape of what white people were like in Utah. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you ended up at Weber. What has it been like um, attending college versus attending high school here, right? Like, what are the differences you feel like you've experienced, mm-hmm. if any, Um yeah, I will start. We'll start there. I do have follow-ups, but <laughs> um, there hasn't been a huge difference, to be mm. honest. I think the only difference is what can happen on a district level. Um, mm. but yeah, there hasn't been too much of a difference. It's kind of the same story, different people, mm. and you know, I've, I'm I'm trying to learn how to work and navigate through these spaces, kind of like I did in high school, but. Like, again, the Bible says to whom much is given, much is required. So I'm trying to figure out what those requirements are and how to steward over them well. Yeah. So since you said it's it's been the same, what do you feel like has changed in the way, if anything, how you've approached, you know, your social activism or just like advocating? Because it's a lot of growth that I've been hearing throughout your journey since you've arrived in Utah. So what what do you think has changed the most since you've been in college? Right. Uh, I think number one, taking God with me in every room that I enter in and knowing that I'm supposed to be there, not having that imposter syndrome. Mm. Um, and mm. two, changing the way I strategize. Um, that changed a lot from high school to college because in college you have a little more leeway, especially you know being a part of the NWCP, you have a lot more, I would say, um, you have a lot more ammo, if that makes sense. Like you got a 100%. lot more backing you. So yep. um, I've definitely changed my strategies up uh, because when I first came to college, I was not trying to be an activist at all. I kind of had left that in, you know, high school. I come from, you know, a family where I'm the first of six children to graduate and go to college and, you know, get a college degree. So I was yeah. like, 
I'm just trying to go to school, I'm trying to graduate, I'm right. trying to, you know, make my family proud. And kind of like what we were talking about earlier, I was kind of forced into that activism in college. So um, yeah, I think I've just changed up the way in which I strategize. And like I said, I don't go into rooms like cussing people out immediately, because I also used to debate. So, you know, cross sex was my thing. And that's where I got to just go in. And I've learned, like, you know, this is not a cross sex. This is real life. Like, they're making real yeah. decisions that can affect your education. So you got to yeah. chill out, buddy. So, yeah, I think the way in which I strategized was, like, a huge change. I love hearing this growth. Um, this is just, it's just cool to hear you talk about how you've changed and um, just the things that have influenced you. Uh, I also know that since you've been at school, you've done a whole lot of things. Uh, I won't, you know, tell the people too much. You know, you should toot your own horn. If you don't, I will list them. But um, share with us just some of the things that you've been involved with since you've been at school. I know you mentioned the NAACP and mm -hmm. um, the other things and the other organizations in which you've worked with on your campus. Yeah, so NAACP um, started off BSU, then we chartered in NAACP. In the year 2020, I became the president. I am now the current president. I'm also Region 1 Rep on our Youth Works Committee of the national staff, and I also represent our state. Um, so yeah, we, we've done a lot of things regarding getting a Black Cultural Center. It has not been easy. The road has been tough, and it took, I want to say, three or four different groups of students to get mm. us here. So honestly, I, I can't even toot my own horn because it was at the hands of so many others before me. And, really right. equipping me to finish out that work you know i kind of just carried the baton until it was over but i gotta pay you know homage to the nyla mantas and shanika sanders and you know the uh demetrius sanders and you know all of those folks who were with me when i we were fighting this fight so uh i gotta you know pay my respects there and to miss betty sawyer who stuck with us the entire time so you know that's in the works right now. Of course, it is a higher, you know, institution, higher ed institution. So they're not going to do everything the way that we want it to be done. So we're still, of course, in this fight. But, you know, it's happening and it's a really huge milestone because it took almost three years. And within a span of four months, Miss Betty and I were able to kind of close the deal, seal the deal, which also created space for other student um, BIPOC groups. Um, and affinity groups to have affinity group centers. Look at that. Black people, yeah. we, we always have led the way. I'm just going to be honest, but yeah. yes. Mm -hmm. And we we also, um, one thing that I almost forgot, in the NAACP, we have like three initiatives. We have one that's called Why the Ballot, where we basically teach our, you know, students on campus about voter registration. We educate them on different types of voting, like local, um, and then we teach them about, you know, just statewide and different things like that. And then, of course, nationally. Um, and then we have Money in My Mind, where we talk about intergenerational wealth in the Black community. Um, we have one more, but I cannot think of the name. But, oh, oh the, um, the John Lewis Voting Act. So we're still, you know, of course, on that train of pushing for that in the state of Utah. Um, but yeah, we have our di different initiatives where we, as the Weber State chapter, kind of engage with our students. Love that. See, she's so accomplished. Uh, you like to say you're not an activist or doing things, and I think you are 
great at every single thing you do. Every time I see you, you're always moving. You're always at some function, trying to help somebody. And, and I love that. You're very humble. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I heard doing amazing yeah. things. So I know, um, you know, there was a, a couple of things that you had mentioned. You wanted to talk a little bit about like the inspiration that you drew from Dr. King and like a couple of things that you're working on now. Do you just kind of want to talk about that? Uh, yes, I got you. Um, and it was Malcolm X. But um, <laughs> Malcolm X. No, you're good. Uh, Brother X, yes. Wakanda forever, you know. Um, <laughs> you know, that's where we got it from. Let's not play. Let's not play. Uh -huh. Let's not play like that was not inspired by Mr. X. Oh, no. Oh, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Come on. Come on, right? Yeah, come on now. So uh, Malcolm X Day is coming up on the 19th of this month. So I personally grew fond of Malcolm X and he was like such a huge, like, I guess, inspiration to me, um, along with Fannie Lou Hammer and Angela Davis. Um, hold on, hold on. But I just love I'm so sorry. I was today years old when I learned that there was a Malcolm X day. Yeah. Has that always been um, yeah, his birthday is on the 19th. That's when people celebrate it. Oh, I've never heard of that. I haven't either. Yes, sir. It's a thing. People celebrate Malcolm look X. At Terry, look at Terry the Revolutionary coming on here teaching this. <laughs> I'm going, who? What? I was like, hold on, Malcolm X Day. This is news to me. All right. Now I got to celebrate Malcolm like X Day. May 19th. Come on. And you know, we, okay, okay. we can't forget about Fred Hampton. I almost forgot to name drop my boy. My boy. Mm -hmm. My man. Love. Uh, yes. But yeah, like, I great. just. So, fun fact that's actually my third cousin. Fun, fun fact. What? Um, really? Yeah, Fred Hampton is my third cousin. My, that's my grandpa's first cousin. So, yeah, fun fact, he's my third cousin. And his son was just here. Um, and, you know, that's family. So he came out here and did what? everything. So, yeah, fun fact. Yeah. That is a actually, fun fact. I mean, that's a cool fact. <laughs> I would be fortunate that everywhere I went. Um, I'm related to Fred amazing, Hampton. Yeah. Who are you? I didn't know until like, I want to say five years ago, he was at a family reunion, uh, Fred Hampton Jr. was. And I was like, what is Fred Hampton Jr. doing at our family reunion? They were like, he's our family. I was like, in what world? This happened, who was gonna tell me? Because everybody knows I love Fred Hampton. I love Fred Hampton, like I love, I don't know. So growing up, I was always like a huge bookworm. Like I was like the weird kid in my family. Um, I love to read, I love knowledge. So since a young girl, I loved Angela Davis, Fannie Lou Hammer, uh, Fred Hampton, Malcolm X, like I was just such a weird, weird kid. So mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that all plays a part into like my activism. And when I actually found out, I you know, wanted to do activism. But like the main one really I could say is like Malcolm X, I love his, just how radical he was and how he really didn't care about white feelings. And I feel like At that's all. something that I always try to tell the black community is like, they don't care about our feelings day, 24 hours a day 365 days a week hey. like mm -hmm. why do we try to cater to what they don't cater to and it's systemic like they don't care about us they don't care if your name is laquanda your whole application is getting thrown in the garbage so you know why are we caring about saying the word white and things like that so i just love that about malcolm sure. x how he I, I remember there was this one quote where this white person said uh how can we help and he said you can't <laughs> simple mm -hmm. as that like you can't <laughs> yes. You know, and, you're yeah, to, and it's that simple. <laughs> and you know, I love that because it's real. And he was real with people. Like he let them mm. know 
you know, these, he also talked about just economic sustainability in the black community, because that is what'll push us up to be, you know, where we need to be. And he always talked about voting rights and different things like that and being in those rooms. So he was like a huge catalyst to why I wanted to be an activist. Mm. I forgot the question. I'm not going to lie. I was just talking. You're going to talk about Malcolm X Day and then like some of the other things that you are, are working on right yeah. now, like celebrations coming up and whatnot. Yeah. 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 So I think right now, you know, we're definitely planning on celebrating Malcolm X Day. I think it'll be virtual um, just because we thought about it uh, like a couple of weeks ago. So we don't have time to plan an event, but we're mm -hmm. definitely going to do something virtual like possibly going live on our Instagram and just kind of sharing some facts about um, Malcolm X and, you know, why it's important to remember his life and legacy. Period. That's cool. If you need a Malcolm X impersonator, let me know. People say I look like him. <laughs> <laughs> it's so crazy. Wait, was that so a crazy. joke or? A hundred percent a joke. Do you see this okay. face? That's not <laughs> I, I, I never... I never heard that one before. Oh, I was like, oh, okay, period. I'm crying. Yeah, we'll let it know. Like, oh, I'm like, Malcolm X had red hair. I was like, wait, what? I'm like, this is because he's from Detroit and I'm from Detroit area. The resemblance. Nate, did you just bring up when New York called that woman Luther Vandross? I sure did. she said she looked like Beyonce. Uh -huh, I'm so sorry sure you about to make me come out of myself because that episode takes me out every time. She said, Beyonce, Beyonce, you look like Luther Vandross. Luther Vandross is <laughs> crazy. They are, uh, we are referencing a very old reality TV, the OG reality TV. The original, the one that inspired the, the original and everything. The original yeah. character, she is the blueprint. New York, the Thank blueprint you. for it all. Let's let's make it no. New, New York definitely did it. Please yes. stream that, cause Beyonce, mm. Beyonce, <laughs> forever be that whole show. Uh, Terry, mm. as we like start to wrap up, if you could go back to your younger self, just based on everything we've talked about, and you know all the the growth and the way that you've changed that you've mentioned. What would you go back to tell your younger self? Like, let's say you that first arrived here, like that first year that you were in Utah, what would you tell her now every, with everything you know and all your experiences? I would definitely tell her, do not be afraid to be yourself. Um, and like I said, I grew up in a stereotypical black home where I was always told that, you know, myself was just, you know, not usual, not ordinary. Um, I would tell her never be afraid to be authentic. Don't, don't ever dilute who you are to make other people feel big. Um, mm. Don't ever make yourself feel small to make people comfortable in the room. Um, because one thing about myself and what I thank God for is I always carried such a presence and I never knew it until I was, you know, a little bit older, the kind of presence and the kind of, you know, character that I had and have, and people would try to make me feel small for it. And so I would, of course, adhere to their foolishness and I would make myself smaller in settings and in spaces so that they could feel bigger. And I would just tell myself, my younger self, don't do that. You know, when you mm. think of something and you wanna go for it, you stick to that and you do it. Um, 
And yeah, just love yourself, be yourself, and you know, embrace your awkward black girl. Because I was definitely an awkward black girl. I'm still an awkward black girl. I wish I would have let it out more when I was younger. Because now it's just exploding out of me. Uh, so yeah, I would I would definitely tell myself just be your authentic self. Don't be afraid to live in your authenticity. Oh, I love that. I feel like so much of what not not just you, but just me and my friends, it's always like looking back, it's like, I wish we would not, you know, we hold back so much, not just because of what, you know, what we tell ourselves or others tell us, but just it's like that did no good ever. And we always wish we were more ourselves. And the older I get, the more I I feel that we even about myself at different times in my life. I'm like, I was really trying to fit into something that was not gonna work. Nate, any final questions Amen. for Terry? Ooh, I don't think I have any any final questions. I just want to say I love that shirt. I'm also yes. a Harry Potter fan. I but I read oh. this, I listen to the books like every you year. You know Hogwarts? So. Yeah, there it is. You know what's sad? I've never seen a movie. I've never read a book. What? Sorry. That's correct. Sorry to this man. I don't know who this man <laughs> is. <laughs> he could walk. Right past me. I would not know That's who crazy. he is. Yeah. And I would not know what thing he could walk right past. And, oh, and that's wild. You gotta admit it. That's wild. <laughs> I wouldn't know what thing. And the sad thing is, like, I I, I watched the movies it's recently. They, they didn't I'm age. Not a real like... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yep. I'm. Oh no. I'll just say Hogwarts fans. That's yeah. that's so interesting. When well, I just I'm sitting here with egg on my face. Right. I'm like, dang. Sorry. I don't uh, I don't even I mess with Harry Potter. Puff, okay. I don't mess with Harry Potter for real. But I've at least seen the movies. Like I didn't read the books, but I seen the movies. Not even like started one and didn't finish. Yeah, I didn't even started one. Did. <laughs> the millennials are crying listening to this. Any millennial listening is probably having a breakdown. <laughs> no, for real. And you know what's crazy is that Harry Potter Sorry, is Sorry, 80s not and like... 90s babies. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy that Harry Potter is not relevant like as much as it used to be. You know what I mean? Like Gen Z is really like Harry. Who is Harry Potter? Like, is that a, a hairy man that that plants like plants plants or something? Because like they do not be caring. The same way that people carried when I, you know, when we were younger. It's funny how things move on. Things you think will never go away. Mm -hmm. And those movies, they look old. Like when you watch them, they look old. They're not, they're not state of the art no more. (laughs) The graphics are not graphicking the way that they used at all. They don't graphic at all. Yeah, it's tough. But yeah, well, I think that's all I got. Rachel, you got anything else? Nope. Terry, anything else you want to share before we move into our recommendations? Um, no. No, I'm good, man. I just want to give a shout out to my amazing mentor, Miss Betty Sawyer, and you know, thank her for everything she's taught me. And I just hope that I can carry this baton that she's attempting to pass me. Love yes. to hear it. Love to hear it. Well, all right. Well, with that, we'll move into our recommendations. Mm-hmm. Rachel, you want to go first? You want me to go first? You go first. I, I went first the last couple, and I am I need to have Go-go myself first. together. <laughs> Oof. All right. Well, 
I don't know what I'm gonna write these down. Let me write these down. Slide over here for a second. But I'm gonna grab this off the shelf. So okay. So I highly recommend that Terry watch these. No, you don't. No, you don't. Oh my! Oh my! No, that that's not my real recommendation. Actually, I recommend these. You know, I bought these on DVD thinking I was going to watch them, and then I realized that, like, can you see it? I don't know. If no, it's, it's blurred, Nate. It's, uh, it's yeah, the, it's I the filter see that. that I have on the screen. Oh, well. Okay. Well, anyway, what this is, is Dexter, is that... a complete DVD set. See, I'm not going to okay. go ahead and change all my settings right now. Anyway, it's called Dexter. Um, it's a TV show, old school TV right, show. Well, not old school, but, like, from the, like, I don't know, 2010s about a serial killer who works for the police oh, department wow. like, as a forensic analyst oh. and so he's in he, like he's killing people right under the police nose and hiding it um and but it's like a like if you have you ever watched you on netflix it's you ever watched you on netflix it's so not quite, well i mean like it's, he's a serial killer right but if you've ever watched Amen. you on netflix Dexter was that. like the precursor. Like Dexter was mm. like what they kind of took, okay. like what they made you. Um, where okay. it gives you like okay. Okay. inside the mind of a serial we, killer, we, and it's like from their perspective. They did that with Dexter first, um, and then so yeah, I, I got into that a few years back. I watched the whole thing. Okay. It's a dope show. Um, I really like those kind of like psychological type shows, cerebral. So anyway, I highly recommend that y'all check out Dexter if you've never watched it. Um, if you are easily scandalized, there is a lot of gore and blood, and the first season's got a pretty good amount of nudity in it, too, so if you're easily scandalized, it's not for you, but if you don't care about all of that, mm-hmm. then definitely check yeah. it out. And then they, uh, they recently did a reboot for one season, and they, like, they, they made a bad oh. ending the last time, so they, like, resolved it properly with the new season, so check that out, too. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's my recommendation. Chicken <laughs> Taking notes, taking notes on the recommendations. Rachel, what you got? Okay, my recommendation is I know everyone who's listening, not everyone, most people, I know you've seen somebody make some food on TikTok or Instagram and you save the recipe. (laughs) Go and make the recipe. That is my (laughs) recommendation. (laughs) And I say that because I have actually like gotten a lot of inspiration just because I'm trying to eat healthier. Um, and I've gotten a lot of inspiration from people on TikTok and they, they sometimes people are saying good stuff, you know, and, and they're sharing good things. Okay. And, you know, sometimes we get in ruts with our food. I don't know if anybody else is like this. I cook the same like five things. Um, so if you're kind of like, and you just want to eat out, don't eat out, look for a new recipe and cook it and it will feel like you're eating out. Um, this is cost effective. Well, groceries look so expensive nowadays. Eating out really? looking cheaper. But um, Amen. <laughs> eating out or um, it, it'll replace that experience. It'll give you something new. And um, I don't know. I always feel better about myself mentally when I cook and I feel accomplished. So that is my recommendation for the week. I'm a big chef over here. Amen. I love that. Okay. I feel mildly attacked Period. because I, I do have cook, a folder full so... And, yeah, I'm glad you feel attacked because I know that people have done that. Go to your save video. Go to wherever they're at and actually go make something. Come on now. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> I can't cook. I burn the house down. I burn the place up trying to cook. 
All right, Terry, it's your turn. What's your recommendation? Oh, I, I get this one. Um, mm-hmm. Don't be ashy. This is for the black people. Um, so then. Let me tell you something. You can't trust ashy black people. <laughs> and and here's my here's my analogy, right? Would you eat? Listen, when chocolate gets old, it turns white, right? When chocolate gets old, mm-hmm. it gets ashy. You I've wouldn't never, eat no ashy okay. piece of chocolate. Okay. So you're mm-hmm. not gonna trust no ashy black person. Intentionally be ashy. Put some lotion on. That's it. All right. Well, see, now we got to do an ass check. Who's ashy? Well, you know what? I feel a little attacked. Um, not Every personally. Day. And you should feel attacked. My ankle do be ashy sometimes. And Sebastian oh, has called me out multiple times about it. <laughs> um, because sometimes in the winter, I'm too lazy to put it all the way down there. Listen, my feet stay ashy. Look like I'll be wearing socks. Take off the socks. Scared. Jump scared. <laughs> Okay, we can't do that, friends. We gonna look like we on a fresh episode to get out, friend. (laughs) We gotta put lotion on. Okay, I just started lotioning my knees. You making me work? I gotta lotion my feet too. Crazy. Nate, it's so (laughs) it's so bad. When I was in when I was in middle school, if you look inside my eighth grade yearbook, it was there was two girls. That wrote in my yearbook. One of them wrote that I needed to wear baby oil, and another one put that I needed to get some lotion because I was always ashy in eighth grade. Ooh, yeah. And like I had a white friend who used to tell me I had a glow in the dark. Oh no, ma'am. They tried you. Yeah. No, he was he was a homie. It was funny at the time, but yeah, I just I needed lotion in my life. He tried me. He did. He did. Yeah. But um, I I eventually learned to lotion my hands and my elbows and my arms. And then, you know, as I grow older, I've learned to lotion my knees. And one day I'll lotion my feet, too. And on that note. Yep. One day is crazy, but you know. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note. We out. We'll leave (laughs) y'all. Thank you for joining us for the Black Menaces podcast. Terry, thank you so much for being on this episode. We appreciate your contributions to the Utah community. Yes. Thank y'all. And we will catch y'all next week. Bye, y'all.